First Saturday Lime isn't just for your coops and barns. There are so many ways to use it around your home. You can use First Saturday Lime to create a barrier around your home, your boots, and your firewood to keep unwanted bugs away. First Saturday Lime can also be used as a whitewash, and it can be used to balance out the pH and water to prevent algae growth. With so many uses, you really can't go wrong using this safe, organic lime. So go to FirstSaturdayLime.com and order today. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. I was a little behind. There we go. There it is. Hey there, Beth. What you drinking today? I was worried you weren't going to drink anything for a second there. Oh, yeah. I I thought about it for a hot minute, and then I was like, nah, I just had espresso on the last one. So let's have a cool beer on this one. (laughs) So I opened a Columbus Brewing Company Fool's Gold, and it's a dry hopped golden ale. Jared picked it out for me because it has a picture of a donkey with its back full of golden hops. So that's yeah. What did you open over there? I opened a Grand Armory Brewing Mother Smuckers and it Mm. is a raspberry ale. That sounds delicious. Yes, It says it's a raspberry blonde like mom's toast and jam. Mm. It's pretty good. It's a delightful little beer. Our drink peep this episode is our friend Elise Ferguson, which is at EGF Brahma Mama over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right. So today, I think we get to get right into it. I don't think we have any follow-up or anything like that this week. So today we're going to talk about something that maybe you know about, maybe you don't. I mean, I hope by now, since it is now August... 21st that you've heard about it now but we're recording this one a little early um but something you might not have heard on the news quite yet is the devastation that Iowa and some other areas in the midwest um had the 10th of August of 2020 by a derecho yes and lots of states in the midwest were hit but Iowa was especially hit hard so today we're going to talk about what the heck a derecho is because, you know, it's possible it's something that you're not even familiar with. But the Midwest kind of gets these storms often. So you might like hear about it every now and then, but don't get a really clear explanation of what exactly causes it and what it is and why everybody freaks out when one's coming up. Uh, and also we'll talk about what's happening specifically in Iowa since they were the hardest hit and how you can help so you don't have to feel just totally down at the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. As I was trying to research this, because I actually struggled to find um, news sources for this that covered things, period, and covered things uniquely. Like, basically, it looked like they all copied and pasted the same article. It was a little bizarre. Um, So, and I think part of that is that it's still kind of early in the way of understanding how much was actually destroyed from the agriculture perspective. This derecho did go through Illinois, Wisconsin, Indiana, Nebraska, 
and Michigan, as well as Iowa. I saw another article that said it touched Ohio as well. So this thing was no joke. Yeah, it probably hit the northwest side of Ohio. Mm. Uh, Jared's parents deal with derechos way more often than we do. We had a slight wind gust that night, and like I took the wind chimes down, but it wasn't like a, a big deal. It w- I wouldn't call it a derecho. It did not reach here for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I think the Great Lakes absorbed quite a bit of it for Michigan because like I remember seeing it coming on the radar, and then it just like broke apart. So, God bless those Great Lakes. They really, sometimes they're naughty, but most of the time it it just makes things disappear. And I'm convinced we live in a biodome here because constantly it's like, it's going to rain, and then it just goes right around us. So, Oh, yeah, I could see that from the uh, wind patterns because of the lakes being all around. And then, yeah, Mm -hmm. I could see that happening. Interesting. Yeah. So before we talk about the devastation that Iowa is experiencing, we'll get into what the heck a derecho is, because I had no clue what it was. Um, But it turns out a derecho is a line of intense, widespread, and fast-moving windstorms, and sometimes thunderstorms um, that kind of pop up with it, and they move across a great distance, and they're characterized by their damaging winds. So derechos can cause hurricane-force-like winds, tornadoes, heavy rains, and flash floods, and they're primarily seen in late spring and summer in the central and eastern United States. So the term derecho means straight ahead in Spanish and was coined in 1888 by Gustavus Heinrich, a physics professor at the University of Iowa who sought to distinguish these straight-moving winds from the swirling gusts of a tornado. And if you've never heard of derecho before, there's probably a good reason for that. The term kind of disappeared after, you know, Gustavus in 1888 coined the term so that's kind of disappointing for him you know he didn't get any credit while he was still kicking Um, he gave him credit (laughs) but we did and um meteorologists at national oceanic and atmospheric administration uh, more commonly known as NOAA, uh, resurrected it a hundred years later it entered the public vocabulary in 2012 when one of the most destructive derechos in history swept across roughly 700 miles from Ohio to the mid-Atlantic coast, killing 22 people and causing serious damage in metropolitan areas like Chicago and Washington, D.C. I remember that storm because we had friends in West Virginia whose power was out for well over a week. It was in the winter um, it was a weird, it was a weird derecho. Maybe it wasn't winter. But anyways, I think it was because I sent them, uh, what are those blankets that you can wear because they have sleeves on them? Like a Snuggie? Yeah, I sent them Snuggies. <laughs> uh, they were both superhero themed because I said oh. that they were superheroes for uh, having to live without power for so long. So I totally remember when that term like started getting used more often because that, w- that was the first time I had heard that term was during uh, that storm. Okay. So in order for a storm to be classified as a derecho, it must go at least 240 miles and move at speeds of at least 58 miles per an hour. 
though uh, the winds are usually way stronger than that. And derechos are a global phenomenon, but they mostly occur across the central and eastern United States. So some places will see an average of one to two of these storms per year, uh, whereas tornadoes, they'll see like thousands of them every year. So they're kind of uncommon, but kind of common at the same time, just not as common as tornadoes. Right. Depends on what you're baselining it with. Yes. (laughs) True that. (laughs) But derechos can be destructive as tornadoes, um, but it is destructive in a decidedly different way. So the strong swirling winds of a tornado will cause debris to fall every which way, while a derecho's straight line winds are similar to a regular thunderstorm, just stronger. So downburst clusters of wind caused by derechos can range from four to six miles long, containing small pockets of extreme wind called microbursts and burst swaths. The latter are only about 100 to 450 long, but they are severe and concentrated like the winds of a tornado and can exceed 100 miles an hour. After a derecho, pockets of massive destruction can sit next to areas that escaped relatively unscathed. So now we're going to tell you how a derecho is formed. So, yeah, fun stuff. Science. (laughs) Science. Normal thunderstorms happen when warm air rises from the surface of the earth into cooler air that's in the upper atmosphere. And this cools the air to its dew point, which is the temperature at which water vapor condenses into droplets, and that causes clouds to form. The cooled air drops back down to the surface where it warms up again and starts the process over, generating further convection and ultimately causing a thunderstorm and a storm's downdraft, which is when the cooled air drops back down to the surface, is key to producing the powerful winds that create a derecho or create derecho conditions. When the cool air hits the ground, it spreads out in all directions, pushing warm air near the surface into a front of gusty wind. Stretching from four to six miles across, downbursts also suck more air into a storm, causing it to get stronger. Um, When a cluster of strong downburst winds in the center of a storm races ahead of the rest of the storm, it creates what's known as a bow echo. This bowing of the storm front forces even more warm air into the atmosphere, intensing the the thunderstorm. When a bow echo or a series of bow echoes moves across more than 250 miles with wind gusts over that 58 miles an hour, that's when it can officially be classified as a derecho. So basically, derechos get their power from air and temperature, (laughs) and thrusting (laughs) and they just keep building upon themselves until they become just like massive it's a crazy it's kind of a crazy storm system when you think about it i I, and i think part of what makes it so crazy is just the amount of area that gets affected Uh by a derecho they just travel so far and so fast and the straight line winds are extremely damaging After a long day on the farm, we love to kick back with a beer and watch chicken TV. It doesn't hurt to have a super cute coop on the farm while doing so. We both love our cutest coop's charming coop being a part of our chicken TV backdrop. 
Cutest Coops come in a variety of price points, sizes, and designs so you can easily select which one best suits your homestead, no matter how big or small. We both have the Charming Coop, which has a 4x4 footprint and is easy to assemble with the help of a friend. And did you know that all of their chicken coops can easily be modified to accommodate ducks and geese at no additional cost? Just select intended for ducks and geese when making your coop design to let the team know. So go check out Cutest Coops at cutestcoops.com. And while you're there, check out the design tab to pick custom colors and features for the larger coops and receive a free rendering of your designs. And if you're ready to make your chicken coop dreams a reality, use the code COOPANDFARM to get $100 off your coop. All right. So let's talk about what exactly happened with this derecho. Um that occurred on Monday, August 10th, 2020. So the storm with the straight line winds that reached nearly 100 miles an hour in parts of Iowa swept across Nebraska, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, and Michigan before losing steam. Um, On Friday, August 14th, the U.S. Department of Agriculture Risk Management Agency reported that 57 Iowa counties were in the path of the fast-moving west-to-east storm, including 8.2 million acres of corn and 5.6 million acres of soybeans that may have been affected. The Iowa Agriculture Secretary Mike Nag, I might be saying his name wrong, N-A-I-G, Um, said Friday that 14 million acres of insured crops were in the path of Monday's derecho, but about 3.57 million acres of corn and 2.5 million acres of soybeans in 36 of those counties took the brunt of the punishing winds and driving rain. Winds also busted open grain bins, still filled with tens of millions of bushels of last year's harvest, which those pictures hurt my heart so much because there's actually no federal program to help farmers who lost stored grain. Some of um, some farmers might have private insurance to help with that, but most likely they'll have to wait and see to if it, a federal or state program will be initiated. But the bins were full as farmers were hanging on to last fall's crops and hope for improved prices. And the USDA estimates about um, 2.8 billion bushels remaining in storage. I remember having almost this exact same conversation yeah. mm-hmm. during the flooding because we did an episode yeah. all about the flooding that was in Nebraska, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I remember that episode. We'll link to it in the show notes in case somebody is just interested in hearing about the kind of storm devastation that uh, farmers have to deal with sometimes. And I feel like we're kind of getting these, uh, we're getting these events more often. Either that or we're just hearing about them a little more. <laughs> we didn't you know, hear about this one this week, but. <laughs> well, we heard about it because like right. we knew what new. We're plugged like, in. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say we knew about it because places that we listened to like mentioned it, but it wasn't covered like really in depth, which is why right. we decided to cover it. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like um, we're either hearing about them more often or they're just being more damaging. And some of it might just be because farmers are holding on to commodities looking for better prices. But when they're holding on to it, 
they don't have insurance on it. Yeah. So it's like gambling happens to it. <laughs> yeah. It's just so much more devastating because they went through all the work and actually got it. And then mm-hmm. something happens to it later, which just like it's awful. Yeah, exactly. So before the storm hit, the U.S. Department of Agriculture had been expecting a record national corn crop this year of 15.3 billion bushels harvested from about 84 million acres. Iowa was going to provide about 18% of that production, and Iowa's crop was valued at about $9.81 billion in 2019. Ouch. It's a lot of money. I did see an article floating around saying that um, the overall, like, there, there's not going to be necessarily a corn shortage because of this derecho, um, but... On the individual farmer level, like you can't deny that that level of devastation to those people. So I thought it was interesting that it probably won't negatively impact anybody that would want the corn necessarily. Like, I also think it's still too early to tell because like surveying that much land to understand what the damage actually was and what's salvageable and what's not is just going to take time. But I thought that was interesting to see that out there. Yeah, and a lot of corn gets exported also. Mm. So it's possible that like we won't necessarily feel a brunt from it here, but exports may feel a brunt from it. Or the exports might get done and we won't. I don't know. I don't know how they make those decisions. I don't pretend to be in the know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know either. Um, So it's reported that corn is flat on the ground in numerous fields in the region. The corn stalks have grown to full height. And we're in the final stages of producing ears and filling out with the kernels. So modern corn varieties, as you may or may not know, can grow up to eight feet tall, making them very vulnerable to powerful straight line winds. Like, could you imagine? Like, you're just about ready to harvest and then this happens? Like, ugh. Yeah. Did you see pictures of it? They're oh, ki- yeah. They're kind of crazy looking. Like, it, it's weird. It's like a matted like a like a corn mat like it almost looks like it was weaved like yeah intentionally it's super weird yeah the other really devastating thing to check out too um is the satellite photos from space of before and after like you can see the difference so that's crazy it may or may not be in one of the articles i referenced a lot of articles today because like i said nobody was saying a lot at once (laughs) (laughs) Um, about this story. So I kind of had to puzzle piece it together a little bit. Um, But if you guys are interested in seeing that, it's really interesting um, to see those pictures. Yeah. um, And for plants that were just bent and the stalks not broken, there is some hope of having a reduced yield. It might be significantly reduced in some instances. Um, And it's going to be more difficult to harvest because the machinery is just not designed that way. It's designed for eight foot tall standing up crops. (laughs) There's no getting around that. Um, but if the stalks snapped, the plant's going to die. That corn is not going to finish growing and the fields will end up being chopped up and used as livestock feed. So, uh, crop insurance programs will help with the corn that's in the field as will a USDA indemnity program and federal disaster aid could be coming if a presidential disaster is declared. So if a disaster is declared by the president. Um, they actually have to file paperwork for that. 
That's another thing I read today, and they're going to be submitting it on Monday, which will be August 17th. So hopefully that means it'll be done by the time you guys hear this. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, we're recording this kind of a week ahead of time. Yeah. So things may have significantly <laughs> changed before you hear this. <laughs> it's our disclaimer that we probably should have started with. But maybe, yeah, everybody talks about it next week, and people listening are like, why are these chicks so talking wrong. about how it's not being covered on the news? It's all over the news now. <laughs> we're just ahead of the curve that's all yes what does that make us we're trendsetters trendsetters influencers yes (laughs) we're like our week's gonna be really crazy and we just try to be uh not procrastinators whatever that Uh, term is yeah because last week's episode was late because we tried to do it like we thought oh it'll be really fun to like record an episode and release it in the same day that was really hard (laughs) (laughs) didn't happen (laughs) we're planning better it's fine it is it's good but now we're going to talk about how we can help because there are numerous ways to help make a difference. And it's really important to try to make a difference if you can, because some of the devastation in Iowa is like life altering devastation. It's not just crops that are insured that have been lost. Right. Like as of today, which is Sunday the 16th, there's still quite a few people without power. They're thinking it'll be restored by Tuesday. So that's people having power without a week. There's like rotting food piled up in bags on the side of the road and they can't, like the sanitation pickup isn't happening yet because they can't get down the roads because there are trees down everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, so people are just in really bad situations and, and maybe they can't clean up because of those down trees and the down power lines. And like, it's just real bad guys. So some things you can do, um, is it kind of depends on where you're at. So if you live in Iowa and you're fortunate enough to be able to help right now, um, there are some resources that we won't list them all out because there's a lot, but we could probably just pop them into the show notes for you guys. Yep. There'll be a link to each of these organizations in the show notes. We've got a bunch of them. We'll just mention a few. (laughs) Yeah. So there's quite a few like meals on wheels type things um, because they're definitely looking for water water and non-perishable foods. Um, If you want to donate online, there is an Iowa Derecho Storm Resource page on Facebook and you can give a monetary monetary donation um, through Venmo or PayPal. Um, And you can also sign up to volunteer there if you're local to Iowa or want to take a little trip to help out. Operation Barbecue in Cedar Rapids is actually making meals for those that were impacted by the storm. So you can help fund uh, actually feeding people on the ground by donating through their GoFundMe. And we will have a link to that GoFundMe in the show notes. There's also a couple of shirt fundraisers, Ray Gun shirts, and Iowa Strong shirts. And portions are all of the proceeds, depending on which option you go with, um, are donated to relief efforts. And uh, the Red Cross and the Salvation Army are both looking for monetary donations to help on the ground. Uh, And the Salvation Army takes canned food donations also. But of course, that requires being local to donate canned food. Yes. So, yeah, we hope you guys feel a little more informed now. I know I do because, I didn't, like I said, I didn't know what a derecho was. So now I know that I hope I never have to hear about it again, but I probably will because it's awful. <laughs> yeah. 
It sure is. And um, take a look at the show notes to get links to some of those places to help if you're so inclined. Uh, One of the biggest ways you can make an impact is just donating a couple of dollars if you have it. I know sometimes it can feel a little weird to just give like $5, but when hundreds or thousands of people give a few or five dollars, it goes a really long way, especially for like locally impacted places and donating to local organizations in the area. All right. So now it's time for We Can't Even Corner. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm glad you're woohooing with me these days. Yes. I'm feeling <laughs> very woo girl. Very woo girl. Well, I feel like the world could use some woo girls right now. Not like, woo, I'm drunk in a bar necessarily, <laughs> but that's fine too if that's what your life's about. Um, but just like some good cheerleaders in the world. Yes. I am <laughs> feeling like the world's cheerleader right now. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've made enough hard decisions and had enough like craziness going on that I'm just like, if I can be positive through this, I can be positive through a lot. So... <laughs> There you go. So uh, what can't you even about this week? So mine is follow up from a couple weeks ago. You couldn't even that people were getting <laughs> weird seeds from China. Totally Ooh. unsolicited. So weird. And so this week, I can't even believe that the USDA has identified some of these uh, plants. So (laughs) I know I'm kind of excited about this. So I pulled this article from Reuters. There will be a link to it in the show notes. And the title is Morning Glories and Mustard, U.S. Investigates Unsolicited Seed Mystery. (laughs) And I read that title and I was like, Morning Glories, the Chinese are trying to kill us. <laughs> Have you Knew ever it. planted morning glories? No. no. Okay. So there are morning glories around our chicken coop. We did not plant these morning glories. They were here <laughs> when we got here. And we let them flower all over the chicken coop the first year that we got here. Like, it was gorgeous. It was absolutely beautiful. Instagram loved it. The thing about morning glories is, though, they spread. Like no other. So we went from having morning glories around the chicken coop to having morning glories around the barn. Morning glories in the garden. Morning glories next to the house. Morning glories in the middle of beautiful, like decorative grass that is like 10 feet tall. How did morning glories get in there? I have no idea. (laughs) I found morning glories in my strawberry patch this morning and I yelled. Yeah, I was standing in the strawberry patch because I was just like pulling a couple of weeds and I yelled to Jared. I was like, I found morning glories in here. (laughs) He's like, what? (laughs) So we like burn morning glories when we find them. They're so pretty, but they spread. Yeah. Okay. Total tangent about morning glories. <laughs> I mean, I guess there are worse things that could spread, but that's super weird. Yeah, there are worse things that could spread, but the morning glories made me laugh. So <laughs> the reason why the USDA is, is testing these seeds um, is because there were concerns that these were seeds that were going to harm agricultural crops mm-hmm. or that maybe they were covered in some sort of weird fungicide or something that could, you know, like damage the ecosystem. And so nobody really knew what they were. They could have been 
a like a noxious weed or an invasive species. And we've had invasive species like ruin whole forests and ecosystems here in the United States. So like we're pretty serious about them. Um, But most of the um, most of the species that have been identified are just like innocuous herbs, flowering plants, vegetables or grasses. But they're still not native ones, no matter what. I mean, most of the stuff that we plant in our garden isn't native, but like we plant things from reputable seed companies that we know where they came from and how they're going to behave. <laughs> right. So the some of the reports are saying that some of the seeds were coated in something purple. I feel like I remember you saying that in the episode two weeks ago. Um, but then they're saying like it sounds like a tr- seed treatment and it might be kind of weird. So yeah, like definitely don't plant them. I've read some articles recently of people that did plant them. I'm pretty sure I've read of someone in every state planting them. <laughs> people are bored right now. So why not? <laughs> they are. People are bored and people are loving plants right now. Like people are just like super into their crazy plant person-ness, which is super awesome. <laughs> and they were kind of worried that this was some sort of, you know, like a nefarious scheme from China. But it turns out it's probably just like a brushing scam, um, which means that people have received something that they didn't order from a seller. And then that seller posts a positive review from the person that received it. And people are like, ooh, free seeds. I'm not going to complain about this. But it turns out seeds are kind of a scary thing to send, like... <laughs> through the mail unsolicited so they probably won't do this again usually it's something like junky like you know plastic toy or like i don't know kitchen item there's also (laughs) like beauty supplies i've read a little bit about these brushing scams and people have gotten all sorts of weird like inexpensive things just like out of nowhere so that's weird that's my can't even this week we talked about morning glories a lot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Don't plant the damn deeds. <laughs> now I know what to give Bev when I need to give her a gift. <laughs> yes, morning glories, all the morning glories. <laughs> so what can't you even this week? So my can't even this week is from uh, NBC Chicago, which is kind of funny because it's a Michigan story. Um, And it says, Michigan farm reveals COVID go away corn maze. covid go away corn maze (laughs) yeah so a michigan farm is making headlines for its corn maze that says what everyone is thinking covid go away and that's what the maze reads from above so that is like what they carved into the corn for their corn maze and the article shows a cool aerial photo of it (laughs) and i thought it was funny um, so stomp out COVID go away as you wander through the 13 acre corn maze this fall at Johnson's Giant Pumpkins LLC in Saginaw, Michigan. The maze is set to open on September 12th. The farm noted there will be some changes in the store for visitors, noting that it will be forced to make tough decisions due to the coronavirus pandemic. All weekend events have been canceled, like their car show, agriculture day, craft show, etc., Obviously, masks and social distancing will be required inside the farm's barn, but they want to do their absolute best to follow all COVID-19 guidelines at the farm, and they want to make sure that their customers also do their part. Um, So yeah, so it sounds like their corn maze is still going to be open, probably because it's outside. That's Um, exciting. Yeah, and you can socially distance in a corn maze. Just as long as you don't end up in one of those like dead ends and suddenly there's 500 people behind you. But it's a farm in Michigan, so there's not going to be that many people there. Yeah, it'll it'll be be good. (laughs) I'm looking at the pattern and yeah, that looks like a tough corn maze. Like, I feel like 
I feel like you need a prize for getting out of that corn maze. <laughs> I would think so. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, make sure you guys are sending us your can't evens in the Facebook group. Um, use hashtag can't even in the Facebook group so we can easily find those when we're putting our mini sewed together. You can also send them to us in Facebook Messenger over on Instagram or email them to us at drinkandfarm at gmail.com. And leave us a review because we read one review per week here on the podcast. And someone this month is going to win a super cool coffee mug. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If we read it, you get entered into the drawing. Once a month, we draw a winner. It's super cool. So do you want to read our review, Sam? I sure will. So this week, our review is from Darcy Leah or Leah. Not quite sure. Sorry about that. Um, but she says, Clucks, yeah. How have I not heard of you ladies before this month? I listen while driving, running, tending to my goats. I know they like the stories too. So much relative information that I need in my life about caring for and milking goats and keeping chickens happy. Thank you for the education and humor. Love ya. Well, we love ya right back. Yes, we do. I am always so excited when someone new comes and joins yes. the listening of the podcast because it's always exciting. It's been like two and a half years now. Oh, I wow. still love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it'll ever get old, honestly. No, I agree. I fully, fully agree. Um, Just a reminder that this episode's outtakes are exclusively for our Patreon peeps. So check out patreon.com slash drink and farm. We have fun things up there for you. And it's a great way to support the podcast starting at $2 a month. And next month, we are sending out our gifts to our Patreons that are at the $5 level or above. So if you want in on that to get a free gift from us, well, I guess it's not really free if you're a patron, but you know what I mean. Um, It's still a surprise. (laughs) It is a surprise, and I think this is going to be one of my favorite ones, honestly. I think so, too. So, if you guys are curious what it is, sign up if you're not already signed up. Well, and here's what I love about Patreon. Like, Patreon is a really great way for someone to be like, I really love this thing and want to make sure that it keeps going. Mm -hmm. So, I'll help cover some of the expenses for it. That's, like, all that Patreon is about so it is a like free exciting gift from us because we're still doing the podcast and still paying all the podcast expenses but we're sending an extra surprise as a thank you because we're super super grateful for your support right and the more people that feel like they can and want to support us that just means the cooler things we can do for you guys too yes like we're really hoping to like build a team behind drink and farm to help us with a lot of the behind the scenes, the scene stuff. Cause we do that ourselves and you can tell cause sometimes we fall behind because <laughs> we have farms and, and we're humans and families and we're human and we're, yeah. And, and things come up and things happen. And so but when there's a team behind us, there will be more people to lean on to like help, fill in those gaps when yeah things just get nuts so i'm i'm really excited for that i think that when that happens it's going to be like super super amazing for the podcast yes and just a reminder that drink and farm has a phone number um somebody texted us for the first time 
and didn't know really who they were texting, but it was super fun to kind of go back and forth with somebody, um, which wouldn't be normal behavior. So don't expect a response necessarily if you text us. Um, and we're definitely not going to pick up the phone. So the purpose of the phone call is that you can call and leave us a voicemail or a text with your farm story, your question, and your can't evens. And we'll use that content in our mini So So if you want to leave us a voicemail or text us, feel free to do so at 401 426 3276, which is also 401 426 farm. So we want to hear your stories and things. So send those our way. Um, be sure and hit the subscribe button and download the episode when you listen because this helps more people like you find this podcast. And do us a favor and share this episode over on Instagram in your stories and tag at Drink and Farm. So if you can find the Instagram post where we've announced that the episode's been released, that's a quick way to share it in your stories and tag us. And you want to do that because we're going to send you a promo code just for that episode that'll give you a percentage off in our shop which you also want because all of our Joy Joy Farmer merch is up there and it's amazing. And if you haven't seen it, you need to go look at it because you're going to want it. Yes, I sent out a code this morning uh, to someone that shared the episode. So it was really, really exciting for me. I love doing that. Yes. So make sure that you take a look at the show notes to find links to all of the articles that we discussed for today's episode, a survey to tell us how we're doing, and links to our social media and our merch shop. So that's it, guys. We hope you found today's episode informative. I feel like we haven't good done a really good like researchy news story in a while, so it was kind of fun to put that puzzle together, even though... It's because of a pretty sad situation, but I'm glad that we could bring some more awareness to it because who knows if the news is going to do that over the next week. I guess we'll find out when this drops. Yep, we (laughs) sure will. So until next time, drink, farm, and give zero clucks. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. My Pet Chicken can truly be your one-stop shop for all of your poultry needs. Not only does My Pet Chicken sell day-old chicks, ducks, and goslings, they sell many of the products you'll need to be a successful chicken tender. You can order everything from chicken saddles and diapers, yes I said diapers, cleaning products, chicken coops, first aid items, and so much more. If you need to get in one last chick duckling or gosling order in 2020, or need to stock up on supplies, go to mypetchicken.com slash drink and farm to let them know we sent you.